Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. And there were a few books that came out this summer that were literally everywhere. Everywhere. And so today we're going to share our thoughts on some of them. From that Taylor Jenkins read book, and not one but two Reese's Book Club picks, 2021 was a hot book summer. We loved it, didn't we? So here for it. So usually, our first episode of the month, we recap our favourite read from the month prior, but as we are recapping all of summer anyway I feel like that's crazy yeah I agree the ones we're discussing were brilliant on the whole so I think we're good yeah plus it's our podcast and we could do whatever the hell we want (laughs) (laughs) okay Jess do you want to kick us off yes okay the book I'm going to kick us off with came out first out of all of these and is also the first one I read but I did not read it in summer. I read it in January because <laughs> that is when I received my proof copy and I was too excited to not immediately read it. Do oh, you, I know what know? you're about to say. Yeah, I know what I'm yeah. you, I have a vivid recollection of you jumping around when you got it and putting it on the stories. Yeah. You oh, did that. God, it was good. Okay, so my gal, Taylor Jenkins Reid... Every book is amazing, and this was her most recent book, Malibu Rising. So it came out in May 2021. Uh, Technically spring, but it's very much summer vibes. And I briefly mentioned it in our time travel episode, and that's because it tells the story of the family of one of Evelyn Hugo's husbands. Ah, we love it. Right? And the husband is... Drama. Drums. So much. Love it. The husband is uh, Mick Reaver. Um, sad times for me. I read the whole book pronouncing it in my head as River. And then <laughs> I heard her talk about the book at the Stylist Literary Festival and she pronounced it as Reaver. So that was sad for me. <laughs> I, I kind of get what, what you mean though because he spells it like R-I-V-A, right? So it's almost like slang River. Right? Yeah, and yeah. I don't think it helps. I have a nephew called River, so River's just on my mind. Oh, what a baby. What a cutie. Um, has that ever happened to you? So many times, Jess, <laughs> that I can't count. But you know how bad I am with names anyway, so obviously I can't remember them today. But this is kind of kind of orcs, but there's a publisher that I always pronounce wrong, oh. and you always give me shit for it. <laughs> Tell the listeners, Lauren, I know exactly which um, one it is. Okay, let me just think about it. It's called... Why don't you say what you call it? <laughs> and then everyone can try and guess Yeah. if they yeah. know the publisher. It's called uh, Quirkus, guys. That's what it's actually called. You got it right. Fuck, have I? Yeah. So Lauren usually calls... <laughs> oh my calls... God, you've jumped into me. Yeah. She usually so... calls it Q-Circus. We call ourselves readers and you circus. Maybe we're wrong about Quirkus and I just assumed. If anyone from from Quirkus or Circus is listening, get in touch. It's Let not us just, know. It's not just Lauren though. It's not just Lauren. Because it's not just me. You do have one. I too. pronounce Orion publishing as Orion. Because you just love that Oreo life. I fucking love it. <laughs> But, um, yeah, sad for us. So clearly I'm doing it all the time. But I remember when I said, Jess, it's Orion. You're like, no, it's 
Orion, like, as like in like start. Orion's belt. And I was like, yeah, it's Orion's belt. <laughs> you were like, what? I think you you YouTubed it. To yeah, well, I feel like I feel like there must be like an American film where they call it Orion or something. So I'm going to blame. Or maybe you're like thinking Oregon. Mm. I, Who knows? I don't know. I mean, you can call it what you want. Yeah, anyway. It's our pod, we'll do what we want. Yeah, Mick Reaver, Mick River. I'll try and remember to call him Reaver in this. God, it just doesn't work. But um, anyway, when I found out that it was Mick Reaver, I was taken straight back to my childhood when I read Lemony Snicket's series, Unfortunate Events. And the whole time I was reading the books, I was pronouncing it Baudelaire Orphans. And then I watched the Jim Carrey film and found out it was Baudelaire. Yeah. I was really sad. (laughs) (laughs) Though to be fair, you were probably quite young and you didn't know that B-E-A is like beau. Like French, kind yeah. of. But it's not in every word. I feel like there are some... We're going down a rabbit hole. We're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> if you have any examples of when AU makes an all sound, <laughs> hit us up. Hit us up. Love to hear from you. <laughs> Younger me would love to know that she wasn't a stupid idiot. <laughs> anyway, I haven't even got to the synopsis. So, the synopsis, if you haven't read this book and it has somehow managed to pass you by, Mick Reaver, the famous singer, has four children who have become very well known in their own right as a result of fending for themselves for most of their lives. And at their annual end of summer party, it's their chance to blow off steam. But in 1983, things get a little out of control. Mm. Yeah. It's so good. So the synopsis alone makes it sound like it's a lot, like the one on the book makes it sound like it is a lot about the party. Yeah. And so the present day is all told on like one day and it's them like getting ready for the party okay. and then it's at the party. What what year is it set in? So the party is in 1983. Okay. But the so, for me, the best part of the book is recounting all their like childhood throughout the 60s yeah. and the 70s. Okay. And oh, it's just flipping marvellous. Like M- Mick Reaver. Slash really River. Hard for it. Can I just call him River? Yeah, go for it. Thanks. It's like your if, if you listen to this, Taylor Jenkins, <laughs> She doesn't. I, I don't know <laughs> Well, we can only drink. I'm manifesting it, Lauren. All right, manifesting. okay. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, so he marries uh, a woman. And oh, I really love their mum. Like, she is just such a wonderful character. She has her own battles to deal with. And we meet her first. And we meet her meeting Mick. And then we meet her nice. as she has these children. And their family grows. And... It's just so amazing and it like totally sets the scene for why Nina, who is the elder sister, is exactly who she is today. So Nina is a surfer supermodel and she kind of had to use her looks to get money to like fend for the family. Okay. I won't spoil anything there. And then the uh, the two brothers, one of them is a surfer like a pro surfer and the other one is his photographer and then their youngest sister kit um is also very into surfing but she hasn't quite found her calling just yet because she's quite young as well love it yeah oh it's so good i just it's a slightly biased review for me because any like i love all books where there's lots of siblings and it's a big family because that's what i have also, it's quite a biased review because I love Taylor Jenkins Reid. And also, it's just between past and present. And also, it has tick, fake tick, celebrities. Tick, 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 tick. So, <laughs> all of these components just make such a good book. Um, but uh, the she just always manages to get this like perfect balance of drama and mm. gorgeous loveliness and yeah, characterization. It's just so good. And the backstories are just... 
they make the present day what it is. I've seen a few people being like the party, like I just didn't really care for it. And it's like, I think that's kind of the point actually. Yeah. You're just really invested in these characters. Okay. That yes, there's other characters at this party because they had to be, they weren't just going to have a party with the four of them. Yeah, and it's, does drama happen in the party? Yeah, and like there's a few secrets that come out. Um, and oh, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't. But I did want to share one quote Ooh. from Nina. Let me share my book. I just thought it was lovely, even like out of the book. Yeah. Um, so it is, Nina understood, maybe for the first time, that letting people love you and care for you is part of how you love and care for them. How Very sweet. Because she's Very the true. big sister. Um, so how many stars I did it go? It was five. I did say it was slightly biased, but also it is really good. I gobbled it up in like a, oh, you're going to tell me I do that all the time. All the time. It's <laughs> nothing to me. Literally on every podcast, like, I gobbled it up in a day. <laughs> Cool, but the, like I, I read it in January and I can still remember so much about it. Yeah, that's that's a sign of a great book. August. That is a sign, of a yeah. Great book. And it's so gorgeous. The cover is oh my god, stunning. She nailed it. It's very exciting for us. Why, for once, the UK cover was nicer than the US. The US cover is still nice, it's like blue water and there's a few, I think, oh, like yeah. surfers or swimmers, but ours is like pink and purple and splashy. Yeah, that never happens, yeah, does it? Never. We always get the shit editions. Yeah, so it was a great, great, great book for summer because the UK cover won. <sighs> All right, so I read that one. Is there one that you have read that I have not read to balance this out? Oh, good, good thinking. Um... What have I read recently? I have read Sunset by Jessie Cave, oh. which has been everywhere on Instagram. I'm so intrigued by this book, but I was a bit too scared to read it because I mm. thought it might make me sad. So, it's about two sisters called Ruth and Hannah, and they are literally like everything to each other. Hannah's four years older than Ruth, um, so she takes on like the mother's mothering role, and largely because their parents were quite absent whilst they were growing up. Um, but together, they're like each other's hype girls, punching bags, best friends. And they're probably quite codependent on each other. And they have this tradition where Hannah, who has like a big job in the city, takes Ruth on holiday every year. And the book starts with their trip to the Mediterranean. And now in my review on the gram, I said something tragic happens on this trip but I don't think it's a spoiler in, in fact it's not a spoiler for me to say and you should probably be aware going in that the book is largely about grief because on that trip Hannah tragically dies and the book then is all about Ruth and she enters into this real period of loneliness and self-hatred and self-imposed exile from the world and she takes on this job serving coffee at Heathrow Airport, which she never says explicitly, but I guess it's because it was the last place she went to with her sister in the UK. I was so right, she, I couldn't have read this book. She feels like connected to her sister there, but she's still in that period of her grief and mourning where she's trying not to like think too powerfully or emotionally and so that's like subconsciously why what's yeah. fueled her but she's in like this real safe self-loathing period um and i think halfway through reading this i actually googled jessie cave because i was like i just want to know a bit more about her like this book has been written so well from the per perspective of grief 
that I just wanted to know a bit about like what her background was and I found out so many interesting facts so <laughs> fact number one she played lavender brown in harry potter did not know this oh yeah fact number two this is her first piece of fiction and she like usually is a playwright and before this, she wrote a play called Sunrise, <gasps> which is a one-woman show about her, like, life dating um, after, I think she went through a divorce or a breakup, and she then had, like, two small children to look after, and how she, like, went back to dating again. Oh, that great. Yeah, I listened to this podcast where her sister, Bibi, interviewed her about the book at Soho Theatre, and Bibi actually narrates the, pod- uh, the audio book love that yeah so good um so she's basically like why did you like was there some sort of poetic license and why you called this sunset and your show was sunrise and she was like no i just couldn't think of the name (laughs) (laughs) i just loved the honesty um and fact number three sadly her brother died two years ago and in her grief and attempt to process the death tragic death of her brother she wrote wrote this this. book and it's almost like it was almost like a gift to her sister to say like to like like put into words exactly what they're both going through because they lost their brother so unexpectedly and they were both so angry and having to just live life again and go on as normal when this really horrible thing has happened so so many of the exact like little storylines in the book are like adaptations of what her and her sister went through like when they found out her brother died she went to wh smith's and bought five books on death and how how you're supposed to deal with death and that's what something that hannah in uh, ruth in this book does as well um so she yeah she just said like i just hope that it's a book that people can read if they are going through grief to see a side of grief that's um quite you know quite negative um but the evolution i put this in my review on on the grid the evolution of ruth's character is just so sublimely written it was just so beautiful and it didn't feel like a really depressing book it felt uplifting because it goes back and forth between past and present of the, the tragedy of what happened and then the present day and, and also like memories of the past. So it feels like there are so many great moments of humour and it's quite comical in, in lots of parts. And I think, if it, I, I guess a lot of people might, it might not be to everyone's taste in terms of writing style. It's largely dialogue with very little description of landscapes etc but she said she personally doesn't like reading fluffy language so she wouldn't why would she do that in her own book and she's also a playwright as well so that's quite heavy do you yeah i read books so much quicker when there's speech well yeah i was going to say i gobbled through this book Mm. not in a day but probably close to a day um so yeah she also said when she reads a book she was like talking about the the writing process for this one and she said well when i read a book i always love it when there's mentions of food coffee and sex so she's like as a tick list 
I wanted all of those three things in there. Love that. Um, so what would your three be? Oh, I think I've already said it when I was talking about Malibu Rising. What was that? That it would be... Siblings. Sibling relationships, switch it between past and present, and made up celebrities. Whacking an old person. <laughs> You've got yourself a... Oh, shit. <laughs> I want them all to be old. <laughs> what are yours? Do you have three? Um, I think back and forth between now and present defo mm. i love oh what do i love i'm gonna have to think about this i do love it when there's like um like a crazy scene where i don't know like a, drama yeah like a bit of drama okay and you love it when there's a detective Always, <laughs> always. We can't have that in every book. Hot crime summer, though. I'm to think about that. And a love story. I always like a love story. Okay, so we're going for a love story between detectives that switches between past. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Should we move on? Yes, it was a high reco for me. Not your, maybe not your traditional summer read. Um, but it's called Sunset. But it's called Sunset, mm-hmm. and it's they go on holiday. And it's been everywhere this summer, so <laughs> it's a real journey. It is. Okay. Hit us with the one, Jess. Taking us on to our next one. Okay. The Paper Palace by Miranda Cowley Heller was everywhere as soon as Reese Witherspoon announced it as the July book for her book club. And obviously we wanted in. Yeah. So the book is narrated by Elle, who grew up spending summers together with a friend called Jonas in Cape Cod. And now, after all this time, they have slept together whilst their families were just inside. And over the next 24 hours, Elle must decide between the life she loves with her husband and children or the one that got away. love how dramatic you read that. Thank you so much. I don't really get to do the synopsis much because I hit you here. <laughs> um, so again, this one switches between past and present, which we've already said. Recurring theme. love. <laughs> So the present day plays out in 24 hours, like Jess said, and it's the build-up to that event yeah. between yeah. Elle and Jonas and the aftermath of what happens afterwards or in the couple of days afterwards. And it's ultimately her decision between which man she she'll, to... she'll go with, yeah. whether it's her husband, Peter, or Jonas from her past. And it also sort of explores growing up with her, like her her childhood, growing up with her sister, her relationship with her mum, her relationship with her dad as well, and how she met Jonas and also her husband Peter, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. So we did not expect this book to have such a dark past and storyline within it. So we do just want to make sure that people go into this aware that there is a content warning that, and there is a fairly descript- descriptive account of sexual assault on multiple occasions. And that's not a spoiler. We aren't telling you who, why, or what happened. I just want to make sure everyone um, who might struggle with that is aware going yeah. in. Yeah, we always keep it spoiler free, but ultimately content warnings are actually more important. And mm-hmm. as Lauren said, this actually isn't one. No. Um, so you'll be fine. Go into it if you feel safe to do so and you can just wait and see what happens. Um, like us, so back to the book, we 
were genuinely guessing like right up until the yeah, end like she did not choose. know who she was going to pick um and I, and I thought it'd be fun again not spoiler because regardless of the ending which we won't mention I thought we could each say who we personally oh yeah okay Jonas and Peter who did you prefer team Jonas all the way <gasps> what I like, loved him oh. I just thought he was like really sweet and funny he clearly loved her a lot and there were just a few moments where Peter just pissed me off a little bit. Um, but I think it's just like, that is the dynamic of a relationship when you've been together for a really long time. You're not going to be always sweet and lovely. Yeah. yeah. But um, I don't know, there was just a side to me, a dark side of me that just wanted her to oh. uproot, change her whole life. You know, no, I was very drama. Much... That's oh, what I wanted. No, see, I like a house. <laughs> happy story i was very much peter i i get the like raw passion of jonas but peter is funny he's really great with her difficult mother he's a really good dad um and he clearly like absolutely adores her like in their past when we see the meeting he's like really funny he's a nice it's nice and cute isn't it it is i just thought he was an absolute catch yeah i just read the whole thing like don't you do this to peter (laughs) (laughs) You're right. He's very good with her mum. Her mum is pain in the arse. Ugh, yeah. Um, so it's really clever. You get to see how torn we were um, because of the way it's written. But Elle's past is just so part of who she is and why she is the person that she is today. And so, of course, Jonah is a huge part of that. And because how of how the author has chosen to reveal itself... She's all. She's timed it all so it's impossible to guess. Yeah. Who she chooses yeah. by the end of it. Literally until the last page. Yeah. You had no idea. It was so good, and it was so descriptive, and the setting was like. Yeah. I felt like I was at like Cape Cod. I also feel like that ending could have been interpreted. What we can't talk about that here. No, no. Can you just mime to me who <laughs> who, who she left with? yeah 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 i know but i felt like that could have been interpreted no right i'm going totally off topic of this book but i saw a passage and i felt very much seen because i genuinely thought i was the only person in the world to occasionally have these like really weird thoughts so i tabbed it while reading it (laughs) gonna get my book (laughs) i don't know why i'm admitting this what so she says Where's the freaking bit? Okay. So I've often fantasized about surviving alone on a desert island, how I would live on fish, build a tree house high off the ground so that blah, blah, blah. She's just talking about like yeah. how she would cope if she was alone. And she's like, oh, there'd be like the complete works of Shakespeare and I'd read it all and I'd do loads of things. And like, I'm forced by circumstance to at least become my best self, that supposed potential self. And then she goes on to say, my other fantasies were prison or the army. Some place where I had no choice, where every second of my day was prescribed, where I was too afraid to fail. And I genuinely sometimes like fantasise that if I was in jail, I'd be so ripped. So ripped! Right? Because what else is there to do with your time but just do sit-ups and things? And I genuinely think, I feel like the only way I'm going to get to this is if I am stranded on a desert island or put in jail. I wouldn't do it on a desert island, though. It'd be too hard. I'd have so many excuses not to work out. But I get what you mean. In prison, yeah. I'd be the best version Desert of island, maybe. That's where, like, complete works of Shakespeare. Like, I'd read, like... Yeah. Maybe I'd finally read A Little Life, which I just can't bring myself to do otherwise. <laughs> 
But yeah, I felt very seen. I thought I was the only crazy person to dream about being in jail. <laughs> to better myself. <laughs> and then there was also another bit. improvement to the extreme. <laughs> Honestly. I read it like, oh my God. And there was another bit, again, this has really got nothing to do with the plot, but I was at the seaside with my family the weekend before I read this book. And we were talking about the bit in, that goes in between your toes in flip-flops, or if you're listening to this from Australia, you call them thongs Dance. over there. So what would you call that bit that goes between your two toes? I mean, I've never really thought of it, but no, maybe I a haven't. stump? Stump. Okay, so my sister went for like toe post. I can see where she's coming from. And my boyfriend went for something like web separator. What? And I was like, you're all wrong. I don't know what it's called, but it's not any of those. And then I read this book and she... She caught... I think toe post is, it's almost like a toe fence. It's like fence. a fence in between your toes, isn't it? Well, yeah. But in the book, I then read a line and I was like, oh my fucking God, she's talked about what you call the bit in between flip-flops. So the quote is, when I tripped on a root and tore my flip-flop apart, I sat down on the path to shove the Y back into the buttonhole. She calls it a Y because it is Y-shaped. That's rogue. Oh, you sorry. don't appreciate that? No, to put my toe stump my toe fence back <laughs> I just think like if I was reading a book and someone was like the toe post really hurts on my shoes I'd be like what I think the why is a bit more subtle That's so funny it's just reminded me of this like meme I saw on Instagram recently it was like if the person who named walkie talkies named <laughs> everything then a defibrillator would be like a hearty starty I love that Oh, I love that so much. I almost wish I was a medical professional so I could now be like, <laughs> Getting get out the hearty starty. <laughs> I think that person might be me in another Onto life. something. So great. So yeah, totally off topic, but bringing I it love back. it. Paper Palace was very, very good. Yeah. Oh, I reco. So good. Yeah. I loved. Lived up to the hype. Yeah, it did. It really did. Yeah. And it was a really enjoyable read. One of those books that, you sort of miss when you put it down. Yeah. 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 Definitely. You just want to know what happens next and a long period away from it just isn't very nice. Yeah. So, it takes us on to our next book. We also badly read this one. And it's another Reese's Book Club pick, which is Seven Days in June by Tia Williams, which, as you might have guessed by the title, was her June pick. See what they did there? So clever. So smart. Um, Brooklyn I Eva Mercy is a single mum and best-selling erotic writer who is feeling pressed... Um, from all sides. So Shane Hall is a reclusive, enigmatic, award-winning literary author who, to everyone's surprise, shows up in New York. When Shane and Eva meet unexpectedly at a literary event, sparks fly, raising not only their past buried traumas, but the eyebrows of New York's black literati. What no one knows is that 20 years earlier, teenage Eva and Shane spent one crazy, torrid week madly in love. They may be pretending that everything is fine now, but they can't deny their chemistry or the fact that they've been secretly writing to each other in their books ever since. So over the seven days in the middle of a steamy Brooklyn summer, Eva and Shane reconnect, but Eva's not... Sure, how she can trust the man who broke her heart and she needs to get him out of New York so that her life can return to normal. But before Shane disappears again, there are a few questions she needs answered. Oof. 
so good. I have to say, this was a redonkulously easy book to read. Like, oh my I god, could... I blew through it. Yeah. Did you? Hang on, hang on. You listened to the audiobook, I right? I did. Love was it a good audiobook? It. Yes, the author, sorry, the narrator who read it, I really loved her voice and I really loved the voice she gave to Eva's daughter, Audrey, too. Mm. It was like really squeaky and um, it was exactly how I imagined her voice to be. Like, I, Well, yeah, I just think she did a really good job reading yeah. it and I was just so hooked. I was just reading it on like every train journey, yeah. making my breakfast every morning, to and from the supermarket, things like that. It was just a really nice little story to have in your ears. And I don't usually, like I've said in the past, listen to fiction on audio, but I loved it. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It was, because I was reading it like, oh my God, this is such a joy to read. Like I was excited to pick it up each time. And same. So I'm so glad that that same thing comes across in audio yeah. book. Yeah. It's so good. So really running theme here, guys. <laughs> It switches between past and present. <laughs> um, and so we get to see how Eva and Shane are when they first met as teenagers. And boy, I did not expect that to be as dark. So it did mention in the synopsis there about their traumas. Yeah. Um, content warning. There's like mention of self-harm and substance abuse. Yeah. And Quite excessive. Boy, yeah. yeah. Um, did you have a preference over what storyline or like era you preferred? Like was it present yeah. day or past? I really liked both. And I genuinely think a spin-off could be made about their childhoods and the past more generally. But I really loved the present day, especially the scenes with her daughter Audrey, who's a super woke kid who goes to a private elite school and gives Snapchat therapy sessions to her friends. It just really had me laughing. She was like drawing on all the Gen Z stereotypes. I loved it. Yeah. And she like I love that the mum commented on like, oh my like there's a line where she doesn't know where um a place in Canada is, but she does know like yeah. all these other things that she's like what are they teaching them at this brooklyn school like stop teaching them how to be so woke and like teach yeah. them <laughs> but um audrey's school and just the whole writing is very very modern and current for right now and it yeah. reminded me of do you remember when we went to see viva forever the spice girls musical oh my god yeah so good firstly i don't know it's not out anymore but it was so good when they did two become one they didn't sing a certain line and the whole audience did do you remember they did um, we, the audience yeah. sang gonna make love to ya baby and that wasn't in the script but the whole audience did that was a great night but regardless I remember when we watched that musical on the yeah. train home afterwards we were like it was a bit current like I feel like that's gonna make it dated because they were doing like lol and all these things that were current at the yeah. time and I remember and I thought about it while oh, reading funny. this book because I was like god it's so current for 2021 how we just read in a few years, but equally we've talked a lot about how we love nostalgia, so I think it's going to be just fine. Yeah, and I I do just think like we're going to see more and more of this in books. Yeah. Um, she mentioned like book influencers and yeah. TikTok and yeah, just so many things which are just so hyper relevant. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Well, I think Snapchat, that's kind obviously. of why I preferred the present, like you. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And it's rogue for me. Because I'm going to, well, no, it's not really a spoiler to say that they reconnect in the present day. Yeah, it's in the blurb. Yeah. And so this had me thinking about Bridget Jones's Baby, the film, the third yeah. film. I know that the film is different to the book, so let's pretend that the yeah. books don't exist. 
in the film, I was very, very cross that she was potentially going to rekindle her love with Mark Darcy because they broke up for a fucking reason. They did. And then he comes back on the scene. And so I'm very surprised that I like the present day in this book because they broke up for a reason. Do you know what I mean? But I was actually really happy to have them back in the same circle again in a way that I was very cross in Bridget Jones' I guess because there was no one else on the scene. For either True. of Yeah, because I preferred Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. When he reenacts all those oh, dates. What a dream. And he's like, and on our second date, we... I know! And then we it. had a fight. We had our first fight yeah. today. <laughs> oh my God! That really sealed the deal for me. It did. And any time Mark Darcy showed up with his miserable face, I was like, go away! <laughs> Happy with her. Bore off, Mark. So yeah, rogue, but I did prefer the present day. Yeah, me too. You, you get the impression that there's a lot of history between these two characters even though they only met for seven days in june as teenagers as teens yeah but obviously what happens in those seven days is quite quite dramatic and i also loved all of the little insights she gave us into the literary world of you know publishers and the edits to her book and the writing process well yeah i think like in malibu rising i love the whole fake celebrity thing but then in this book she's like dropping real names like she's on a, uh, she panel. steps into the panel in the yeah. place of Zadie Smith. I was like, oh my God, like made the whole thing really real. Yeah. Um, and I also think there were so many um, important topics she brought up around, you know, the black experience of the uh, publishing industry. Yeah, she'd have to quote about that. While you find your quote, I think the the part that I found really interesting was obviously she's writing this erotic fiction book and it's being made into a film, but the directors and the producers are trying to get her to whitewash the film and saying to her, you know, the the film just won't sell unless you turn your black characters into white characters, which is just fucked up. Yeah. Um, I found my quote. Yeah, go on. It is... Here we are. The publishing industry has a hard time processing black characters unless we're suffering. We're expected to write about trauma, oppression or slavery because those are easily marketable black tropes. Publishers struggle to see us having the same funny, whimsical experiences that every human has because it would imply that we are human. American society depends on the need to dehumanise, degrade and deny the black man. And it's so true. Last... uh, um, it was June, wasn't it, when the Black Lives Matter movement mm. kicked off again. Everyone was rushing to read all these books written yeah. by black authors, which was fantastic and everybody should. But it was like everybody forgot that you're allowed you to can... read a romance yeah. written by a black author. It doesn't have to be educational. Yeah. It can be books like this. Yeah, and they can just write because they love writing and write about whatever topic. It doesn't always have to be about yeah. the black experience. And I thought this book was fantastic the way that it wove that in but equally it was still a romance between two black people written by black that was very clever it was so powerful so another high reco from us yeah really really loved it summer (laughs) and so i am going to bring us full circle with a book that was likened to taylor jenkins reed's most popular book um, and that was like the book of the summer a few years ago. That's Daisy Jones and the Six. And this book is Songs in Ursa Major by Emma Brody. And I think it's, I mean, it's, we know why it's likened to it. It's about the music industry in the 70s. And to be fair, the covers are also quite similar. Very similar. <laughs> well, Jess, before we get into Ursa Major. Okay. I 
Sean Toe something. Oh, God. I've now read Daisy Jones. Fuck off! Oh, my God. After borrowing it. it? Oh, my God. It was so good. I actually listened to it on uh, Audible. I've heard really exciting things about the audio. Fuck me. It was brilliant. There were about 20 different people. And because it's written like a documentary, each person got... Had a different voice. Had a different character speaking... To what they they have to say, Did you so you learn the learned easy. Yeah, so okay. I learned to identify their voices quite easy. So I was like, oh, okay, Billy speaking or yeah. Daisy speaking, Didn't you just Camilla. Love Camilla. Loved her so much. Yeah, like just really empathised with her, and I just love how um, she just took it all in her stride yeah. and just knew what she was entering into. So never asked Billy to be anything more than what. He was when they Such first met. Character. I just thought, like, that's so wholesome of her. Yeah. So, so admirable. Um, but, oh, my God, I just loved it. That I could just... You, it's so immersive. And Daisy's obviously this quite dark character. And in the voice of the person who read her is, like, quite solemn mm. but really dramatic. Mm. And she's got, like, quite a, a wispy... Yeah, edgy perfect. voice loved it okay so if you want to hear us talk about that book more go and listen to our Reese's Book Club episode which was a few months ago yeah okay back to Ursa Major mm. I'm gonna hit you with the synopsis hit me <laughs> so Jane Quinn's band hits the road with none other than Jesse Reed the musician who's setting hearts alight everywhere and as the summer streaks by in a haze of crowds wild nights and magenta sunsets Jane is pulled into the orbit of Jesse's star but Jessie's rise could mean Jane's fall. And when she discovers a dark secret beneath his music, she picks up her guitar and writes her heartache into the album that could make or break her, Songs in Ursa Major. Loved it. And when I started reading it, I was a bit annoyed, I'll be honest, because it is it almost felt a little bit too similar to Daisy Jones and the Six. But um, I don't know, I feel like the reason I loved Daisy Jones so much was because of the documentary style of writing. Mm. And this doesn't have that. Yeah. So for me, they still felt yeah. like very different books. True, true. And I think it's largely they're just both set in the 70s around music, music careers and, and drama and love, <laughs> you know, <laughs> recipe for success. <laughs> so, um, but so the more the more novel went on, the better it got for me. And I did, by the end, I was just so invested in it. And every time we thought, like, where are they going to go from here? It feels like they're ending things. Something else would happen and something else would happen. So I also found myself thinking, like, how difficult it must be for an author not just to have to write a book, but write a load of songs for their characters too. Yeah. Because all the lyrics of the songs were mentioned because they played such a pivotal role in the development of the plot and, like, how the characters were feeling and what was going on for them and, like, in their personal lives. It's like, kudos, wow. Yeah. It was... And it was just so visual wasn't it i mean even the synopsis there where like they mentioned like the color of the sky and things like yeah. you can see that that's absolutely what this book is going to be about and i could just like so clearly visualize the scenes in my head like it felt like watching a movie yeah and especially like when they're on tour and they're touring through america and the scenes where jane is in greece yes like just the imagery of the beach and like the little 
fishing town that she was staying in. It just all felt oh, so idyllic. Especially in a summer where we can't go on holiday. Oh, we've got to get our <laughs> kick somewhere. Um, speaking of films, it gave me real A Star Is Born vibes. Yes. Oh my God, Such yes. Such a good film. Also, can I just quickly shout out the soundtrack for A Star Is Born? I feel like everyone is very obsessed with the song Shallow, mm-hmm. Shallows. But the whole soundtrack is phenomenal. Banging, yeah, it? that's what I listen to most days when I work. Just is it all, all the songs from that? Oh, yeah, that's so good. Um, so yeah, totally immersive and on the surface, like I guess it looks like a boy meets girl kind of love story, but so much more to it. So much more. So much more to it. And Jane is just like the female character that you want. Yeah, because. There is this boy that could supposedly give her everything and elevate her career, but she's so set on being her her own, like not having to lean on a man to find success, but like deserving it in her own right, which again, really, really admirable female characters in these books. Oh, so many, so many good ones. Did you have a favourite? Um, I really liked her relationship with Loretta, I think is it they went on tour together um she was i think one of the members in um the band jess um i'm getting all their names up now (laughs) jesse's band i really like their little relationship because at the beginning they were quite icy to each other like how girls of like similar talent and beauty can be quite edgy towards each other and then they just warm to each other it's really nice yeah i'm Um, really happy for you but i was asking if you had a favorite book Oh, of all of this! I thought I'm gonna let it go with this. I'm saying rogue, okay. Um, <laughs> go with it. Um, but an excellent answer, thank you. Um, oh god, they're all so different. They are. They really are. And that's what makes it so great. Because yeah. read, I pretty much read all of these back to back. In fact, I did, um, and that it was great because they were all so different. None yeah. of them felt too similar. But I would say sunset. You know. Ooh. Yeah, I just really, really loved it. Yeah. yeah, and I love, like, the back. I love, like, knowing little yeah. tidbits behind the writing process and what inspired that, so it sort of helps bring the book to life a bit more. Yeah. So what would yours be? Yeah. Um, God, it's really tough. But I think it's going to have to be Malibu Rising because I'm an absolute stan for TJR. <laughs> and you didn't even read it this summer. I got the summary when it was in back Jan. in Jan. We got locked down, and I whipped out my book. Love it. Yeah. Oh, so good. like me you get your podcasts on apple then subscribe leave a rating and review and make sure you leave your instagram handle as your nickname on the review and if like me you listen on spotify or anywhere else then follow the podcast and share a screenshot on your instagram stories and tag at the glucose we can count your entry that way entries for the september box are open until monday the 27th of september and the winner will be announced on our instagram on wednesday the 29th of september remember if you're listening to this at a later date then you won't be entered into this month so we'll enter you into the win the current box. Thank you so much for listening. See you next-